like kind of natural rotation that we have set up each month. And so I just wanted to um, bring a practice to us this morning, and then you're going to have a long time um, with your small groups to be able to chat about what you read and um, get into that text. And again, this is a little bit maybe like um, we've talked about. We haven't spent a lot of time introducing the idea of anchor and apply yet. You're going to get to experience that next week with Laura. But um, like Elham was saying, we're pausing this week from our like reading and our studying and our dissecting of the scriptures. And we're just holding space for our actual alive breathing relationship with the Father. And we're practicing taking like the time that we might have been like reading and we're just memorizing scripture or we're letting it sink deeper in or we're um, taking more time in silence or solitude or prayer, any of those kind of practices. That's the kind of anchoring in, that's the rooting into what we've been reading so far. If you want to use this time to catch back up because you're like, whoa, I just, I missed a week and I haven't read yet, take that. And it's just like that, that anchoring kind of like, let's not go so fast that we actually forget what we're really trying to do here, which is deepen our and strengthen our relationship with God, the God that we're reading about in here. Um, and then apply is uh, when we meet back together, there's going to be some sort of like topic or discussion of how we can um, practice loving each other well, different relationships. That's like kind of the focus this year. So um, this week is a little bit like that in that my hope is this morning we would practice something together. And um, when we started our first week together, I mentioned that we should prepare ourselves for this gathering to kind of feel like soccer practice, right? Like it's not the game. We're not performing for anybody. We're coming here to get better at loving each other, to grow in our love for God. So it's um, while we're here, we're actually growing and doing something. We're engaging muscles. But um, analogies are never perfect. They always kind of break down. And where that analogy breaks down, I would say, is that even this morning, sometimes practice, like if you use the sports analogy, can imply that there's some like big final goal or performance that we're like working towards. And I would describe what I want us to do this morning more like the actual doing of this practice is the actual goal in and of itself. Like I was a sports player growing up, so I was like, I don't understand why you would work out unless you have a coach yelling at you and a game to play later that weekend that you want to win. Like, but Ryan is just a runner and he like literally just runs. One time he trained for a marathon. Besides that, he just likes to run and that's like it. That's like the end. I ran and I'm happy with the run and that's all that I wanted to do was the run and it did what he wanted it to do in the time as far as his, like, you know, mental state or whatever. And that is a little bit more of a struggle for me because I'm like, it's miserable the whole time. Why are you? That's not fun. Um, but I want us to see this morning a little bit more like that where the actual stretching that we will do of our is the actual process of being transformed, of being loosened, of being changed, of growing, com like, communing with and meeting with the Lord in this moment, and there's nothing outside of that. So we get to just be present this morning and do that together. Um, 
there's a quote that says, I don't know if this is my first slide or not. Um, <clears throat> he says, we do not think ourselves into new ways of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. Um, so this morning, we're going to put ourselves in the pathway of an exercise called lament. And um, that sounds like a super heavy and depressing word, and I feel like I didn't really know much about that word. Um, it sounded old school to me, but God, for me, has really taught me a lot about that word and that term and that process, that practice, over probably the last year, and it's become something that means a lot to me. And so um, I just wanted to share it with you because it's been kind of a gift um, and I haven't really known the right like platform to bring that to this group. Um, and really, honestly, maybe it's a stretch to even connect it to our passage this morning a little bit. But um, when I was reading this passage over the summer, I also heard just a really beautiful teaching um, that Pastor Mark shared with me on lament. And I just felt like the spirit was aligning them and I wanted to bring it to you guys. And I felt like it, since we have an extra week this month, it was the right, right place to do that. So, um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to do a little bit of setup of our text that we read and then get into kind of explaining how, what I have learned. It's really not a lot of my own words. I'm going to regurgitate for you a really beautiful message, um, from another pastor, but, um, and then we're just going to practice that together. So can we dim the lights, Elham? Can we just, um, I just want to start. Don't worry, you don't have to like do a lot of writing or reading. Um, I do want to start first with just taking one minute of space to close our eyes and to get kind of centered and present here and invite God into our morning this morning. So would you close your eyes with me? As we're just uh, quiet here for a minute, I just invite you to take a couple deep breaths and evaluate where your heart is at as you come into this morning. Identify the things that are kind of distracting you and um, just give yourself permission to table them for a couple hours and just be here. I want to encourage you to um, become fully aware and remind yourself that the loving presence of God is literally in this room right now. He is surrounding you and holding you together in whatever place you find yourself this morning. He is wanting to meet with you and minister to you, heal your heart encourage your heart, breathe life into you. If you could just pray with me, God, I'm open to you this morning, coming and meeting with me. 
God, if there's anything that you want to say to us, anything you want to do in us, heal in us, call us to, we are listening. Please speak to us this morning, God. We're listening. We pray that you meet us here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So um, Allison <coughs> was talking last week about how 1 Corinthians is a book that you could get lost in the details and you could find yourself in the map and be like, where am I going? I don't understand. But how it can be really helpful to look, lift up and take a bird's eye view of all of the different topics and things that are covered in 1 Corinthians. And I loved that when I was listening to her teaching. I think that's um, really important because I think chapters 5 and 6 are some more details that Paul is talking about um, in his letter. And there are two specific descriptions and examples that he gets into describing what is going so wrong in this community of faith. Um, and there are two things that he points out um, in each chapter. One, there is a lot of sexual immorality happening in the church. And he calls that out and he says it's like it's despicable what's happening and it's not okay. And yet you guys, you're like arrogant about it. You think it's fine. You're acting like it's normal. This is not normal. And he's calling out that this is happening in this community of faith and it's not okay. Um, and then the second in the next chapter is that people are suing each other. They're like fighting. This community of believers are fighting over everything and they're taking each other to court and they're just protecting what's theirs and they're lashing out at each other and there is this like tension and discord between these people and they're suing each other and he's like, this is ridiculous. This is not as it was intended. This is not what the kingdom of God looks like. And that's all I really want to say about those two descriptions, those two details of what Paul is getting into that is going so wrong. He's taking a body of believers that he has just left. He planted this church and he's left them and he's getting word of all these things that are happening. And he's writing back and being like, you are missing it. This is not the people of God. This is not the kingdom of heaven. This is not what it was meant to look like. This is not God's heart for you and how you ought to be living with each other. And he says in verse 6, don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? He's saying this kind of behavior that you guys are exhibiting, this kind of treatment of each other that you're allowing and that you're doing and engaging in, that he calls a little bit later in the verses, he calls it malice and evil. This is going to catch like fire in this community. This is going to spread through your whole community and your whole church. Don't you know that you can't just isolate little behaviors like this and have it not affect your whole family, your whole body? So he's like pointing that out. And then he says in verse 9, <coughs> or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists a whole bunch of behaviors again. And I used to read that, and I used to think, oh, whoa, all these people on this list are not going to heaven. That is how I read this verse. That is how I understand who's in and who's out. 
by this verse of the unrighteous. Who are the unrighteous? But I think that there's just something a lot more descriptive, like Ryan talked about this past Sunday, rather than prescriptive in these scriptures. I think Paul's heart is saying to them, like you see in verse 11, you guys, you were washed, you were made clean, you were sanctified in the name of the Lord, you were given the Holy Spirit, and now, yeah, there aren't any laws. You are free, but look what you're using your freedom to do to each other. Just because you're free doesn't mean that you can behave any way you want to and get what you want in the end. You are ruining what was intended for you. You've been given the, you have like every right to inherit, to live in, to benefit from the kingdom of God, his reign, his ways, but you guys are ruining it because instead of wanting that, you're using power to exploit the vulnerable. You're protecting your own interests. You're indulging in addictive behavior. Don't you know that if you want those things, you won't get what was intended in the kingdom of heaven. You will not get to enjoy living in the reign of God here and now, not later. Like now there is the, the kingdom of people, of God's people that you have every right to enjoy as you live amongst each other under God's reign and by God's ways, but you're like sabotaging it for yourself. I was thinking about this because my three youngest boys are kind of driving me crazy lately. They, um, they're like a little band of monkeys, the three of them. It's just the dynamic in our family. There's like the two big kids in them, even though the one bigger boy is not that much older than the two middle ones. But for whatever reason, that's the dynamic. So the three of them, they are like buds. And Jack, our youngest, is like way older than his actual age. And so he just hangs right in there with his big brothers. And they... They really love each other. They have so much fun together. They have all these like games that they concoct. They all share a room and they really do enjoy being together. And I can see that in them. They have this really special thing. But for whatever reason, they just continue to sabotage the peace and enjoyment that they actually all three want because in any given moment, one person will want a toy more than they want that awesome dynamic that they have. Or they will want the most of the chips out of the bag more than they want the awesome dynamic and relationship that they have. Or someone will accidentally hurt one of the other ones or break something because they're being silly and stupid. And then the other one wants revenge more than they want to just forgive and keep moving on with the fun game that they were playing. Or one of them will get attention or praise for something and there will be this like, you can watch it. It's fascinating. You can watch this insecurity seep down in one of the other ones. And all of a sudden, they need affirmation and they need to tear that other brother down and they need to belittle or claw up for their own praise because somehow the praise of the singled out brother just like, invalidated or like pricked at their own insecurities of their value and worth. And so instead of being able to just enjoy this dynamic and be happy for their brother and love that they all get along so well, they like 
need these other things instead, and they end up hurting each other. And I watch them, you guys, like, I try to reason with them because they are all three miserable when they are fighting. They are like, I mean, they show it in different ways. One of them gets mad, one of them cries, one of them hides, but they are like miserable when they are fighting. And like five minutes ago or 20 minutes ago, they were so happy and having so much fun together. And I try to be like, you all want the same thing, you really do. Why, why are you clinging to your right to be mad at him right now or to get, well, you're not even getting him in trouble, <laughs> you know? He didn't even say sorry, and that's what they need more than the thing that they actually just want, which is peace <laughs> amongst themselves and this dynamic and this gift of friendship that they actually have. So I was just thinking about them because I think it sounds really similar to Paul's like father heart for this church and being like, you guys, you have access to this really beautiful gift of relationship that you can have with each other, but you're sabotaging each other. You're hurting each other. You're wanting something else in the moment more and it's ruining it and you're not gonna inherit the kingdom of God this way. The kingdom of heaven is not present here amongst this kind of behavior. Um, I don't think I wrote this one. There's a, a quote that I read in a book this past year that says, uh, Christians are usually sincere, well-intentioned people until you get to any real issues of ego, power, control, money, pleasure, and security. And then, unfortunately, we tend to be pretty much like everybody else. We often can give this bogus version of the gospel, this fast food religion, without any deep transformation of the self, and the result can become the spiritual disaster of Christian communities that tend to be just as consumer-oriented, proud, racist, class-conscious, and addictive as everybody else. Even more so sometimes, I'm afraid. And I think that Paul is just grieving this in this community of believers that are supposed to be enjoying transformation. They're supposed to be enjoying increased freedom, increased freedom of their hearts and ability to forgive, increased freedom of their hearts and ability to find joy and contentment and fulfillment in like good and right and eternal things instead of momentary pleasures and addictions but they aren't enjoying that, and he's just grieved. And he says to them, you guys, instead of seeing this, you're arrogant about it. You're arrogant about it is his critique of them as this community is, as this is happening in and amongst their community. You're acting like it's normal. You're acting like it's fine. And instead, he says, you should mourn. You should mourn that this is the reality. And that's really all that I want to talk about today and maybe practice it a little bit because I learned a really healthy, I don't think we like have a great perspective of mourning or a great perspective. Again, the word lament is like so not current anymore. Um, but like Diana, I don't, for some of you who joined us last year, Diana Lubeck reminded us when she taught one time that we have a heart for the kingdom we have this longing inside of us when we have the spirit that knows it's not supposed to be this way. There's something like 
better and more at peace and more full and more holy and more eternal that I was created for. And we recognize this longing in like little things and we think, oh, it's that that I'm longing for. It's this thing that I want. It's that I want my, I want to be married or I want babies or I want this job or I want more money or I want fame. But it's, um, it's a much deeper longing for life as life was intended to be. And the sermon that I heard this summer that uh, Mark shared with me is by a woman named Lori Krieg, and she teaches on lament, and she calls it the silent scream. Um, and this is a quote from her. Um, she says, the silent scream is what our insides do when we wake up to the fact that we are not in Eden and things are not as they're supposed to be. I'm broken, you're broken, this world is broken, and it doesn't function right. People die, bodies break, and we keep hurting each other. Um, oh, goodness. So I forgot to share with you guys. I'm going to pause for a minute. Um, sorry, I wanted to do this at the beginning. <laughs> um, so, but reading this and seeing how bodies break and don't work like they're supposed to reminded me um, that I meant to invite you guys in. Um, I want to pray for a woman in our church named, ha her name is Haven Shower, and a lot of you guys know her and love her, and she's in the hospital right now, um, and we got word that she actually had a successful surgery last night, but they found a brain aneurysm. Praise the Lord, they found it before it burst, you guys, um, but they put her in a medically induced coma, they did surgery, and that's really the only updates that I have, but um, I want to, I just want to pray before we move on for her and for her family and her kids and how scary that must feel um, to them, and just pray for miraculous healing this morning. So sorry for the random pause, but can we just pray? We pray for me. Heavenly Father, we lift up the Shower family to you right now. All of us collectively as a family, we just lift our hands and we just hold haven before your throne. God, we ask that you would wrap yourself around her body right now, that your healing touch would flow in and through her. I thank you for the skilled hands of the surgeons that worked on her last night. I praise you for that. I thank you for the miracle that you brought her into the ER through symptoms that did not take her life and that they found this. God, we just grieve for how much in the last 24 hours the Shower family has had to experience that is not as you intended. How aware they are in this moment that they are not in Eden. And I just pray for them that you could comfort them, that you could be with them and near to them. Give them courage and security and a, just a deep knowing that you are with them and that you love them and that you see them and that you're not alone. I pray for healing for Haven, God, miraculous healing for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, okay, this is a rough morning, guys. Jeez. Um, okay, so in Lori's message, she goes on to describe that this happens over and over in our life where we wake up to the fact that things are not as they should be, that we are not in Eden anymore, and we're taught to... Um, kind of cover up that scream to push it down to say things like it'll be okay it's all gonna be okay you're okay it's gonna be okay it's like from when they're really little oh no problem you're okay to like when they get older don't worry everything's gonna be okay to even as adults we go you know what everything happens for a reason it's gonna be okay and I was really struck by that because that's I mean like what's wrong with that right we're trying to encourage everybody but she says, it's almost like we believe that if we say that enough times, we can like wake up back in Eden <laughs> where everything is okay. And sometimes there is beauty and healing and importance in holding space for the things that are not okay. Because when we just shove it down and we don't actually lament the things that are not okay, it becomes what she calls this like frozen rage <laughs> deep down inside of us. And we all go around silently screaming about the things that are not okay, but that we feel like we're not allowed to say, this is not okay, that hurt. Um, and so she says that it then seeps out, this frozen rage seeps out in us in unhealthy coping mechanisms, in addictive behaviors, in hurting of other people, because hurt people hurt people, you know? And we don't even know that we're doing it. And so she says, what do we do with that scream? How do we live in this world that is in between Eden and the kingdom of heaven? How do we live in the already but not yet, the brokenness of this world without hurting each other, without continuing to hurt each other and ourselves, which is, I think, some of the symptoms that you see coming out in the Corinthian church. Um, so she says, we follow the model of Jesus. And she says, he screamed, and we don't see that a lot, <laughs> or we don't think, we don't get taught that a lot, we don't learn about that a lot. Um, and she's talking about the example of in the Garden of, Garden of Gethsemane, when he is sweating blood, he is screaming. And when he weeps over Jerusalem, and he says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you under my wings, but you would not, he is weeping and screaming. But the biggest one that was very surprising to me um, was in that short little verse that we all memorize and joke about knowing, he wept when he goes, and it seems like he's too late to raise Lazarus, and Lazarus has died, and he just kneels and he weeps. And we think, oh, like, picturesque Jesus with a single tear, you know, like, and I struggle with like, but you knew that you were going to raise him. So like, what was really wrong? Like, how sad could you have really been? You knew the whole story. But it's interesting what that word wept actually translates to as far as what I was reading and other commentators were saying, the actual translation of that word is such a disservice to the word that Jesus actually does in that moment. Um, Tim Keller says, every translation, ancient or modern, is afraid of this word literally translated means. It's much closer to 
to quake with rage, to roar or snort like a lion, <laughs> to bellow with anger. That's much closer to the literal translation of what this word wept means, of what Jesus was doing in that moment. He was quaking with rage that this isn't how it was supposed to be. People aren't supposed to die. <laughs> Bodies aren't supposed to break. People aren't supposed to hurt each other. They're not supposed to sin against each other. This is, he was filled with rage and bellowing with anger at this world that he created and how it wasn't going like he intended for it to go. And he was holding space for the feelings that that brought up. Um, so Lori talks about how, well, so how do we model that? We don't quake with rage at our spouses. <laughs> we don't bellow with anger at our friends or on Facebook. That's not where we vent our rage. That's not where we weep. But we take our mourning, we take our lament to the Lord, like Jesus did to the Father, the one who can do something about it. It's called grieving upward. This is the intended process of the practice of lament. Um, she says, stop burying your scream and hurting people in the process. Stop screaming at the world and lament to the Lord. Bring your lament as an offering before the Lord and let him transform your mourning into dancing because that's the miracle that God does with our mourning. But we do have to mourn. Um, so I just want to share with you, that's as much like, and I encourage you, like I am not some expert who's going to be able to tell you all of the things. I'd just be stealing like 100 people's sermons. Um, but it has been really meaningful for me this year. And so I encourage you to look into the practice more and make some space for it. Um, one of the um, practices that Lori ends her message with, she gives five, like, she gives a process. She says, get out your journal and make some space. And um, I'm going to give us some time. I'm going to play some music. And I'm just going to give us, like, a nice long time to be able to do whatever you want with the description of this process with the time that you're given here. Um, but she kind of walks you through and she says, first, just get it all out. Name the what, name the feels. Acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the unfairness, acknowledge the wrong or the shame <laughs> or the brokenness. And then she says, if there was a sin done against you, name it, acknowledge it, say what it was. If there was a sin you did and someone you broke, name it, acknowledge it. If it was brokenness in this world, just call it out. Say it what it is. And then recognize that God is with you in it. Emmanuel means God with us. This is a whole new kind of with. Picture Jesus on his knees weeping, quaking with rage with you, saying, yeah, that is wrong. That was not okay. That is not as I intended. Um, and then move on and forgive. Forgive the sins, surrender the wound. And then four, take some time to confess your own sin. How did you respond in the fact that you were hurt by the brokenness of this world? Did you hate someone? Did you hate God? Did you hate yourself? 
Did you soothe in unhealthy ways? Confess and journal through that, and then surrender this, the results um, out of a place that doesn't need any certain outcome um, in order to be okay anymore. Um, you can be responsive and just ask God, what do you want me to do with this now? What do I do with this now? And I, like, it's pretty trite to read through these really quickly in a list like this. That's not really the point. It's not like, and check, and check. Okay, good, I did it, Katie, I lamented. This is a much more transformative time with the Lord. So I encourage you to use this practice this week if, like, this space is going to be a little too forced for you. I totally get that. Um, but I just want to give you time. Now I'm going to play some songs. And I encourage you to, I'm going to just give you like a prayer or a prompt. Is it not working? No. <laughs> Locked. There we go. Um, I'm going to read like a little prompt, and then we're going to play a song, and you just have this time and space. You can listen to the words of the song. You can journal. Um, and then I'll do that a couple more times, and then we'll go into our groups. Mm -hmm. 